Are you ready? Hey, everybody. Hey, folks. Hello, everybody. People in the back. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the inner loop. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the inner loop. Without further ado. Without further ado. Okay, so without further ado, we're going to get started. We should get started. We're yeah. Rambling. I'm rambling. We're, we're gonna get started. Welcome to the Interloop Radio. I'm Rachel Coots. And I'm Courtney Sexton. Thank you for joining us. If you haven't already, remember to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and check out our website at theinnerlooplit.org. For any new listeners out there, here on the Interloop Radio, we delve into all things creative writing, whether that be inspiration or craft, publishing or editing, how to make a living, or just how we all sit down each day in front of an empty page. We invite friends and local writers onto the show to talk about their writing journey, what inspires them, or to delve deeper into craft. On today's show, we want to talk about writing in a second language and what makes English unique. Courtney, did you know there are more people in the world who have learned English as a second language than there are native English speakers? I did not know. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be a very did you know kind of Uh episode. uh Because Courtney and I don't know a damn thing about writing in a second language. (laughs) Listen, I took a literary course on Pablo Neruda in Spanish in college. All right. I was going to say, I did study comparative literature and Uh translated a little Baudelaire in my day. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, it's definitely been a minute. And no, you're right. I I am certainly not. Although I guess maybe in some of my comms work, there were some like um, basic translation stuff of like, wildlife things uh but yeah it's it's been a minute (laughs) (laughs) well I was thinking about this in preparation for the episode and at first I was thinking well poetry is all about using language in like new and inventive ways Mm -hmm. uh so on the one hand it seems like writing in a second language would be an advantage because you automatically see that language in like a new and fresh light but then I was thinking actually it must be really, really hard because you have to really know the nuances of that language mm-hmm. in order to like break the rules, you know? So I don't know. I, yeah, I, I, I stand on both sides. <laughs> no, for sure. Because like the, the fun thing about poetry, right, is playing with turns and line breaks and rhythms. And yeah, you really do have to have a good sense of, you know, not just pronunciation, but the way that words interact with each other. Um, so what are those double entendres? What are other meanings and things? Um, and if if it's not your native, like even just colloquialisms, you know, like those kinds of things that get thrown into a poem to make it more, um, to, to make it come alive in, in different ways, I think it, it is a challenge. Uh, and yet you can use the form and structure to give yourself some scaffolding if you are working in a different language, which is kind of, yeah, also the flip side, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I was researching this episode, I was also thinking about, um, you know, what makes English unique. And, I, you know, every speaker thinks that their language is special. It's our language, so we think it's special. But it is 
interesting in a lot of ways. And there was, there's been all these like uh, funny memes going around on um, like the English language and funny things about it. So I wanted to quickly quiz you on uh, different, (laughs) different ways to change the meaning of the word shit by adding an animal to it. (laughs) Okay. For example, bullshit means that's right. not true right right okay uh-huh. so what would what would another one be horse shit which horse shit which means know, similar which is like, such a good one so good. <laughs> like, that is just like blatantly wrong that's just horse blatantly shit. wrong that's <laughs> nonsense oh <laughs> yeah. uh, what's what another one uh dog shit it's like yeah. it's very poor quality this sure. this product is dog shit yeah mm-hmm. yep <laughs> um batshit batshit crazy right crazy which i don't really know where that comes from i guess maybe because the toxicity of guano i was gonna say i think that batshit actually like if you get exposed toxo yeah yeah Yeah. you know you're a scientist scientist. (laughs) those things Um, entomology (laughs) rather than etymology there you go hey uh the last one was ape shit Oh yeah. Were you like we're like blah. rambunctious? Yeah. yeah. Which <laughs> is also, also anyway. Um <laughs> yeah, no. I another thing, can I like squeeze in there with one more cool yeah, thing about please. English? Yeah. Uh I read this was I think I was like a teenager still, this book called The Forked Tongue, and it was about origin origins of of english language and words and this idea that we have both the germanic and latin root for almost every word so like Mm -hmm. liberty and freedom Mm -hmm. or like all of those coming up later in our game okay okay all right (laughs) let's stop there um but yeah it is it is interesting i mean i prefer the french but you know (laughs) (laughs) as courtney motions to her tattoo i'm sorry that's right anyway um the other thing i wanted to say the last thing before we move on is that english like most languages is also constantly changing and the last did you know for this block is uh, in 2020, 535 words were added to Merriam-Webster that year, just in that year. Yeah, that's uh, wild. And they all grew out of the pandemic, didn't they? <laughs> they the yes. But a lot of them grew out of like the, uh, we always Internet argue about culture. what, how to call the next gener- generation. Yeah. Like, the Zennials or the Zoomers. Right. Um, like on brand, which I did already use in a sentence yeah. right before the episode. Um, Swole was another so wait, good one. on brand, like hyphen brand. is now a word in. Yeah. Interesting. On dash brand. Yep, on brand. Interesting. Um, swole, you know, where you're like, <laughs> That's up. just so ridiculous. <laughs> I love swole. Swole is good. Yeah. Sesh. Like as in a shortened session. Yeah, but it means that it means session, but it's it's not like a So it's its own word now. It's its own word, sesh. Okay. And inspo. Also the same word. word. Like those are just shortened forms. No, it's its own word now, Courtney. (laughs) You have to accept it. (laughs) No, I don't. All right. So let's uh, let's get it actually dig into this subject a little bit more. And we'll invite someone who actually knows what they're talking about, actually writes in a second language. Coming up, we'll hear from poet Panta Tabanchi. Stay tuned. Gather. Gather, please. Um, if you can gather in. Gather around, gather around for the second half. And we're going to get started. We're going to get started. 
we'll get started. We're officially getting started. Not teasing you this time. Welcome back to the Interloop Radio. We've been discussing the experience of writing in a second language, and now we'd like to welcome Panta Tafangchi, poet and author of Glazed with War from Mason Jar Press, and this month's author, Corner Spotlight. Welcome, Panta. Thank you so much for having me. It's so good to be here. We're, We're thrilled. So happy to have <laughs> you on the show. Uh, so you write poetry exclusively in English, though your native tongue is Persian. So tell me, what drew you to poetry in general and to writing poetry in English specifically? So um, I have to give you a little um, like a background in culture and mm-hmm. for, for Iranian and Persian in particular. We, I, I think it's fair to say that we grow up in poetry. It's such a, um, it's, it's, when I think about it and I think back, it's, it's very interesting that like if you go to a grocery store or if you go get your car fixed and if you just throw out a um, like a verse of a poem, the likelihood the person that working there reads the next mm-hmm. to you is very high. Wow. And that's and I and I never thought about it in such a depth after I, you know, until I immigrated and I, you know, and my love for language in uh, particular, and in poetry, it comes from that, that I grew up in that, you know, mm-hmm. whole, um, in a country that appreciates um, literature. But you also have to know that especially poetry and creative writing is, um, is, has always been a way of objection mm-hmm. to political mm-hmm. and to, you know, so, um, and what better, um, you know, medium than poetry? Because you have to say like a lot less mm-hmm. um, with, with so little words, and you have to say it a lot, a lot. So that's how you know poetry becomes so um, big in uh, countries like like Iran, mm-hmm. where there always has been some sort of political. Yes, conflict going on. Mm-hmm. But when I, um, so I carried that, you know, love with me. And I, uh, I was a, a writer, um, a journalist. I, um, I never thought I will be writing poems, never. Um, but, they sneak um, up on you that way. <laughs> I, um, and I, I never thought, I even didn't think that I would be writing in English at all. Because, I mean, how... I couldn't trust myself to come, you know, in a country that people breathe and live and learn English, you know, mm. and and I couldn't I couldn't dare. Um, but this like um, love for writing haunted me. Toward the beginning, I would write in Persian and send it back home, but I felt mm. like I was cheating. It's like th- th- this is this is my country now. I have to be able to, you know, so I thought, oh, I'm going to take some writing courses here and there. And I, you know, anyway, I, we moved a lot and I, you know, ended up in Baltimore and that's how I started. And, um, you know, I have so much, um, so much of that. I think I owe it to my teachers and professor at the university of Baltimore. Um, they, 
I mean, uh, uh, some of my writing, when they um, criticizing and write, you know, comments on it, one of my teachers in particular told me, you have to take poetry courses. You, you're going to, you're going to love it. And I specifically choose a program to go in where um, it was half graphic design and half writing. Mm-hmm. And not that, not that I loved doing graphic design. I had no idea whatsoever, but I couldn't trust myself to go complete in a pure de- uh, writing program. So I thought that's a good mm-hmm. balance. At least I don't have to write as much. So and then I fell in love with graphic design. And the more I think about it, the more connected they are, poetry mm-hmm. and graphic design, because again, you have to say a lot with a lot of white space. Yeah. Mm. So they, you know, I it was it was so strange. I mean, the the road that I, you know, had to travel to get there. So long story short, I um I was doing, um, I took a poetry class. Uh, I took Kendra Kapalka's poetry class. And I, um, um, for one of her assignments, we had to write about our childhood, write something about a memory from childhood. And I wrote this poem about war, which I never thought I would write. Uh, That was a subject Mm -hmm. that I never wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I think a spark opened up back I still wasn't I was not ready but then you know I um gradually that's the path I ended up taking um but what I loved was that um the my um my disability to write something that I wanted to say Mm. made me more interested in poetry I know I don't Mm. make sense but I had to find a creative way of saying it. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, opened up this bizarre situation for me that, where I, I would start somewhere and I would end up somewhere else completely different. Yet mm-hmm. I was able to say what I meant to say. It was mm-hmm. like, at first it was like killing your best character in, in uh, fiction. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and but 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 then um you know um do I make sense at all yes <laughs> you're making me uh wonder you know it, it as kind of an exercise in exercising trauma um through writing did you find the extra added step of translation to be kind of the distance that you needed to talk about those things or to write about those things because you're almost somewhat removed from the native space and the native tongue right such does that make sense oh yes I think you I think you hit a spot that I did not think about I (laughs) maybe Mm -hmm. maybe because it took me to my thinking mode. Mm-hmm. Like I, would, I was always like digging and thinking mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, even uh, doubting um, like what is going on and what, how, why should I do it? Should I do it? Should I not do it? Um, until I, um, you know, I attended a writing conference and I heard someone um, 
um, reading about a book that he wrote decades like after Vietnam War. Hmm. And um, it, I realized that his voice as, you know, writing about it 50 years or some later gave him a new perspective mm-hmm. and a space that he needed to take to be able to go back and write that. Mm-hmm. And that was, it was then that I decided I have to write. Um, awesome. Yeah, I think that struggling with how or if we should write our stories is very relatable. Um, but I read something uh, when I was reading about you, Panta, that I found so fascinating, and I never would have articulated it this way. In an interview with a little uh, Patuxent Review, you said, I think about every letter that I put on a piece of paper, like a drop of paint on a white canvas. And earlier you uh, mentioned that you're both a writer and a graphic designer um, and that you think about the page in similar ways. So, and when I was reading your poetry, it, that felt very, very true to me. It rung true because your poetry is so minimal and yet very visually evocative. So I'm just curious about that process and the and the the experience of it being visual for you. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> um, I I fell in love with typography mm. in such a deep way, mm. and I think the reason for that was um, that I was not a native language of English. And typography and letters did not have the same meanings and um, that they have for you, for instance, mm-hmm. as a, you know, because you grow up with it. You know, you, you take um, a letter G for granted. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, I mean, there is this beautiful curve of dancing you know, on the bottom and the way that it comes up. And when you make it to italic, oh my God, such a <laughs> life-changing moment. And that circle in the middle and it, that space, it's like hugging. Mm-hmm. You could say that we have that in Persian a lot because mm-hmm. um, calligraphy, it's such a yeah. deep, you know, but I, I grew up with it. I didn't see it the same way that I was looking at it in Persian. And that, you know, and that gave me a whole new, you know, um, layer of uh, looking, Mm -hmm. seeing differently. That's all it is, just seeing differently. I mean, I, um, I, I remember the first time that I, you know, the letter R was blown up on a, you know, on a, on a monitor in front of us and for the entire class, I was like, oh, <laughs> I can't explain it, but it literally changed the way that I um, mm-hmm. edited everything after, hmm. you know? Um, Ours are pretty beautiful. 
I know, letters. Really? Yeah. As someone really whose name starts with an R, oh, I hate writing R's. Well. No, because you can have like the long swoop of the leg underneath. You can like, it can be <laughs> yeah. so different. Oh my gosh. It's... Hanta, you're making me uh, think we're we're working on some uh, new branding stuff for the inner loop. And huh? Rachel and I like pour over typography. <laughs> we're, like, we're like, well, that one is slightly more curved. But what is that saying? What <laughs> so you are speaking oh, to gosh. Her. Yes. Yeah. Well, that co- if I join in, that conversation will be forever. <laughs> awesome. Yes. Um, yeah. So, uh, Panta, you were talking a little bit about um, how you came to this subject of your collection, Glazed with War, that you never thought mm-hmm. you would write about that, but it sort of came to you in this poetry workshop. So tell us a little bit more about like the development of that concept and how it became a collection. So when I left that conference that I told you earlier, um, I was driving back home and I told myself, this is it. That was my clue um, because um, I don't know. I I am such a huge believer in serendipity (laughs) and um, I, um, I cherish it. And there was, I had a chunk of time because I was working uh, in the conference, um, but then I have a chunk of time and I looked through the program and I didn't have time to study and know where I want to go. And I just went into that and I sat there and there he read and I came out a different person. Hmm. So I was going, I was driving home and I said, okay, I don't know what is, what the life of um, this collection that I am going to write will be, but I know that I have to write it for for my own sake. Mm. Well, I would I would love to hear a few poems yeah. from the collection. Sure. This one called the Round Window. Sunrise in September used to be cold. The smell of Norengia nobar, the sound of teaspoon dancing in the large teacup while my papa sweetened his tea. Our dark kitchen, my mama, my dad, my baby sister, and Nader. Memory has a face. Memory is thin and sharp. I see me standing on the street corner, looking up at our apartment. What if I go to school and our home is gone while I'm gone too? There stands my mama, her face smiling at me, through the round window, among the green leaves. The school is a few blocks away, doesn't matter whether the bomb drops, where the bomb drops. On our home, on our school, we will be still together, she tells me. I throw her kisses. She always stays until I disappear. I love the idea that memory has a face and then in so many ways that face keeps coming up in the in the different lines in the poem. I um if you notice in the second line of the poem there's a Persian word which mm. is um, written in Persian and it's read in Persian and I um so what did you think about that you two? I thought it 
created a sense of place. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I feel like it relates to memory in that memory is like pieces of things, mm-hmm. little pieces of things. Um, and it's not like congruent. I, yes. And my, mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, when reading poems, I like to be confronted, especially if I know where the writer is from. I like mm-hmm. them to, to like infuse that. Yeah. It, it, and it almost had kind of the same effect for me as you, you um, referred to tea. And mm-hmm. we have another poet friend, Paimon, who is Iranian as well. And he writes, almost always there's a reference to tea in, <laughs> in his poems. And that situates you in the place as well. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Tea is like coffee in Persian yeah. culture. Yes. What <laughs> um, I noticed after reading poems like this is that sometimes words like this, it does not matter what it means. It's like music. Totally. Mm-hmm. You listen to it, you have no idea what she's singing about, and you don't even understand the language, but you feel it. It makes um, sense. Yeah. Right. That's how I, that's one of the reasons I love poetry. Yeah, so true. You can just let it wash over you. Right. Can we hear another one? So this one is called The Same New Day. War didn't stop us from wanting a new doll. War didn't stop us from having birthday parties. War didn't stop me from wanting another baby sister or brother. It stopped my mom from wanting another baby though. War didn't stop my family's passion for new plants and flowers didn't stop my parents from providing, and the war didn't stop either. We were all there, us, life, death, and war, like a family with a lot of issues. Hmm. I really felt that realization of not having a childhood and yet being a child, you know, like you, Hmm. that's so, the, even just the, I think it was the opening line, right? Didn't stop you from wanting a new doll. That's such a very just like mm-hmm. child thing to hold um, that that in some ways it can't, it reaches everything and it can't reach everything at the same time. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Beautiful. Well, this has been okay. such a great discussion, Panta. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Our absolute pleasure. Uh, you can find out more about Panta, read more interviews and articles, and buy her book, Glazed with War, on our website, theinterlooplit.org slash authors corner, as well as on masonjarpress.com. Uh, but we're not going to let Panta go just yet, and we are going to get a little goofy. At <laughs> uh, <laughs> the next, we'll discover the reason Rachel is such a bad speller, and I can attest to that. Um, <laughs> stay tuned. Welcome back to the Inner Loop Radio. We turn now to some interesting factoids about the English language and a little bit of a guessing game. Anta, Courtney, are you guys ready? So ready. Not ready. 
Ponta's not ready. <laughs> I was gonna say, are you sure? <laughs> uh, okay, so I uh, in the first blog of the show, I referenced a few things that we were gonna cover. One was something Courtney mentioned about the uh, Germanic and the French cognates in English. Uh, most languages, you know, don't have quite so many hybrids of different kinds of etymologies. Also in most languages, the sense that longer words are fancier and more specific is not really there in a lot of languages. That feeling exists in English because French and especially Latin words are longer than Old English ones. And the con those connotations date back to uh, class divisions in England in the 16th century. So I thought I would give you each uh, an English word uh, from the Germanic or Old English uh, cognate, and then you could try to give me the French or Latin cognate. Oh, see, I didn't even know you were going to do this when it came up. Okay, we're like <laughs> on the same page. Which part of this on is the fun? It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, this does not sound like fun to me. You're not wrong. <laughs> not wrong. All right, I'll start with a really easy one. Here's the Old English word, uh, or the cognate from Old English, kingly. Royal. Royal's French. Any guess on the Latin? Uh, you just have to be human the sources, that's all. <laughs> it's ray, right? Isn't it something with an R? Yeah, right? regal. Regal, yeah, so yeah. Kingly, yeah. royal, re uh, regal. Yes. And when you hear those words, you're like, oh, I'm getting fancier and fancier. <laughs> <laughs> Regalia. Yes. All right. How Listen, about... all the words look fancy to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Especially the R's. <laughs> Real and regal. See, I, was, I did that for you, Ponta. I knew. Mm -hmm. Thank uh, you. <laughs> how about ask? <laughs> French, Latin. What's a fancy word for ask? Inquire. And yes, that's the French. Right. All right. I don't know the Courtney's Latin. going down on French. You study French, Courtney? <laughs> uh, mm. I am a Francophile, so we'll just... <laughs> <laughs> it's a good st substitute for studying. Yeah. It's just loving. Yeah. <laughs> you absorb some, you know, in your life. Uh, yeah. Well, Spanish is preguntar. So I'm like, is it a... It's a P word. Yeah. It's a P word. <laughs> petition. Oh. Ask, inquire, oh. petition. Petition. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. These are hard. So one more. Thoughtful. This one's easy for the French one. Oh, I was gonna say pensive, but is yeah, that French? Pensive. That's French. That's French. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Oh. Paul's like, I don't like this game. <laughs> she's like, gotta go. Bye bye. You you know, every guest gets a free skip on yes. any uh tough questions. That's right. Uh the Latin is contemplative. Oh, okay. oh sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. easy, right? Thoughtful, pensive, sure. contemplative. Uh -huh. See how uh -huh. we get fancier with each. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, since we're on the subject of word length, uh, I wonder if anyone can guess the most complex word in the English language. And I'll give you a hint it's very short. Complex oh. as in like meaning or yes, most okay. definitions. 
This word has a record setting 645 definitions uh, just as a verb. Oh, as a verb, you said? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll keep giving you hints. I'll keep giving you hints. Is it do? To do, right? Yeah. That's a great guess. But no, it is run. Run. So when the first edition of the Oxford English Dictionary came out, the most complex word was set. As in set clock or set a table. Um, And then the word put became the most complex. And then later the word run overtook them both by a long shot. And linguists and and specialists believe that it's because of advancements in technology, because I'm sure you thought like run a program or phone runs apps. Uh, But also this part was interesting that it maybe has to do with the cultural times, because we as a culture are much more energetic and frantic. And so we don't use the words Mm -hmm. set and put as much as we use run. Like I want to run an idea by you. Or you're giving me the runaround. <laughs> nice. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. The reason I'm such a bad speller, okay, yeah. is that most spoken languages have around five vowel sounds, but English has 11 vowel sounds. Yeah. A I O U A A A A A. Damn, Court. <laughs> She's like, I teach uh, no, English. That like we sang songs in first grade to learn the vowel sounds, and oh, really? anything musical just like stays in my head so indefinitely, true. like for good or bad. So yeah, James still hums mm-hmm. uh, songs from elementary yep. school. Yeah. Uh, but so the thing is that we still have to make those eleven sounds with the same five letters because we only have five letters for vowels. And so that's why English is so hard to spell mm-hmm. because you have, they have to make twice the amount of sounds with the same amount of letters as everybody else. So here's a good example. Mm-hmm. <laughs> O-U-G-H can be pronounced in nine different ways. O-U-G-H. Does anybody want to throw some ow, out? Oh, off. That's three. I don't know. Off. I like how you put the F in there. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. sloth. Yeah. Yeah. Give me some words. Yeah. Sloth. Like cough. That's one. Yeah. Cough. There you go. Sloth. Cough. Trough. Rough. Rough. Yeah. Oh, Say? yeah. Rough. Enough. Tough. What else? Bowel. Like the bowel of a tree. Yes. Bow. Right. Plow. Drought. Drought. Yeah. What else? Uh, Rough. Something with a, a long O, like a dr- uh... though, doe, oh, yeah. although, <laughs> although, <yeah. laughs> yes, Rachel's like, let me help you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you got it. You don't have to say the words. You could just say the sounds. What else we got? A couple more. I don't know. Mm. Uh... What about through? Oh, I hadn't even thought of that. See, I'm like trying to visualize through. words. I'm. <laughs> yeah. How about some other th? O U G H thou combination. We did the owl. We did thou. We did through. We did trough. Ought. Did we do the ought? We did not do ought yet. Thought, bought, brought, bought, brought. All right. How many are we up to here? (laughs) You guys are doing great. Okay. We've already got one, two, three, four, five, six of nine. So the other ones are pretty hard. It's like um, pickup. 
Yeah. Spelled H-I-C-C-O-U-G-H. That's how a way you can spell hiccup. And no. you guys are all wondering why I can't spell. No, that yes. is not a way to spell hiccup. Yes, Panta, that face is appropriate. <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> hiccup, as in cup. <laughs> and then lock, L-O-U-G-H, lock. See, this is why English is ridiculous. That's a Scottish word for lake, by the way. Yeah, but isn't it usually L-O-C? So like in Scottish, it's L-O-C-H. No, L-O-U-G-H, lock. Lock, yeah. And the last one, yeah. I know, I'm angry about it too, guys. The last one is thorough or burrow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's rough, okay? English is rough. That's my conclusion. But speaking of um, bad speller, sometimes uh, autocorrect cannot correct me. Yes. Oh, my God. I can't even tell you. I have that problem so much. It'll autocorrect me to completely different words. I'm like, no, why yeah. don't you know what I'm saying? That, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's not why what I meant. Auto dictate. Yes. That's my friend. Dictate on the phone. I'll just like be like, I can't even get close. I gotta hit the speaker and say it. <laughs> like or nerves. Listen, as a non-speaker, that doesn't work for me oh. either. Oh no! <laughs> it's okay. I need five people. <laughs> this is how we keep the AI yeah. from taking over. We just is have that? to keep that. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I think I think that you were saying this is how we just transition ourselves no. into integrating with AI no. No. because we can't this do it by ourselves. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, well, thank you so much for playing with us and being on the show, Panta. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it was awesome. Really good to get to know you. And that's our show. We'll be back next Monday with our Just Checking In series, where we give our writer friends a call to hear how their writing lives are going. Plus, we're coming up on our 100th episode of the Interloop Radio, and we want to hear from you. Got a favorite Interloop moment or having a burning question you're dying to ask us? Reach out to hello at theinterlooplit.org. You can submit your question or memory as an audio file or just send it the old-fashioned way and we'll read it aloud. Then tune in on December 4th for our 100th episode to hear our response. And if you want to learn more about The Inner Loop and all of our programming, visit us uh, on the web at theinnerlooplit.org, where you can also donate to support us and local literature. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at, or wait, twex, twex, X, what is it called now? No, don't call, call it, it that. Twitter I yet. refuse. Me too. All right. <laughs> at The Inner Looplit. <laughs> Today's episode was produced by me, Rachel Kuntz. Our theme music is by Andrew Logan, and our technical advisor is James Skinner. Thanks again to Panta Tafangchi for joining us on the show. If you enjoyed today's episode, translate your joy into another language. Or better yet, leave us a review in multiple languages. Such as, Ich liebe the Inner Loop Radio. Courtney und Rachel sind die besten podcast Mararaten. Sie sind lustig, unconscious und informativ. Was will man mehr? That was really good. What are, what, where are you hiding this? Yeah, I studied German a long time All ago. Right. Well, <laughs> don't forget to subscribe for more of that. <laughs> subscribe. Subscribe so you can get inspired, get focused, and get lit. On the Interloop Radio. Mm -hmm.